welcome to Flourishing Education, the podcast that provides you with conversations with experts and like-minded people who would like to see education turn into a flourishing environment for the well-being of all. So, are you ready? Let's start. Hope you enjoy this session. Hello, so today I'm having a conversation with Jen Ramsey. So Jen has become a really good friend of mine and we'll no doubt talk about that uh, in the podcast possibly. Um, So Jen is a mindset and empowerment coach who helps people tap into their innate source energy so that they can take action on what matters most to them and get the results they want. So Jen knows what it's like to feel stuck in overwhelm and self-doubt. While working as a corporate advisor and business owner, Jen battled for some years um, with an invisible and very insidious adversary, anxiety. So I know that our listeners, some of our listeners will be familiar with that. And all of us have experienced anxiety to some level. But the good news is that today, Jen is on the other side of that experience and really advocates for anyone ready to step from feeling of overwhelm, self-doubt and fear into their freedom and personal power. So she's a very sought after coach, business strategist and podcaster. Um, She's coached board members, C-suite executives, elite athletes, business owners and women ready to step into their power. Um, So her approach melds her 25 years of business experience with neuroscience, quantum physics, spirituality and mindfulness. Um, Jen is also a yoga teacher in training. Um, And I'm really delighted that today she'll be sharing her story and give you and me (laughs) specific tips on how to live life from a place of true freedom and peace. Jen, my absolute pleasure to have you here today. Um, Very warm welcome. Um, It's you're in Australia, the other side of the world from us. So that's the beauty of all of this online. Um, thank you so much um, for for coming to talk to us today. Oh, Fabian, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited and I am super grateful to this technology that you and I can have these conversations and see each other at different times of the day, but we're still connecting, which is amazing. So the sun's going down as your sun has come up. It's the same sun, but it's great to connect. And thank you for having me here and and, uh, on this such a beautiful podcast of yours, Flourishing Education. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So shall we start with the beginning of your story? This anxiety. I mean, you know, I am sure, you know, I'm a full-time working mum. A lot of the people who listen to us um you know some of them will be mums or dads but they work you know and we all have nowadays in 21st century very busy lives with work and children etc so do you want to talk us through your your journey you know the beginning of the story sure absolutely fabian and look it really is and i guess the thing is i'm quite passionate about talking about this experience because it's not something that people want to talk about. And I've often found, you know, I might've been out at parties or in conversations with people 
And when I say, oh, I've experienced anxiety, suddenly that opens the floodgate up. Everyone in the room, you know, you know, it, it, I might be talking with a group of women and everyone goes, oh, I'm, I've experienced that too. And, you know, it's something that is hid, still hidden away a lot. And, um, and I know that was my early experience of it. So I sort of talk about my journey with anxiety and sort of anxiety mark one and mark two. And because there's two sort of separate parts to it. But I would have to say to you that I, um, I probably was experiencing anxiety since I was a child, but it was never named, never called that. But I always, I did, I was quite a shy girl. And I also, um, I, but I'd have these reactions and, and fears about things. And it seemed to me that no one else around me was having those same reactions and fears. And I felt, you know, not good enough. And I felt there was something wrong with me. So I felt that I, you know, that, you know, that I, I was, there was something wrong. So I had to sort of hide that part of me away. And so I guess I, you know, got through primary and secondary school. I went to boarding school and um, that, you know, ha had its ups and downs. And, you know, one of the big ways that I think my anxiety manifested was in lack of sleep. I, I found it hard to go to sleep as a child. And I don't know if anyone listening has children that have difficulty going to sleep, but that to me certainly was, a, looking back now, that was a sign. And, but, you know, you, when you have this sort of experience and there's no name for it, then you just sort of think, well, everyone else is normal and this is who I am and I've just got to, you know, get on with it, stiff upper lip, as we say. And um, so I did and went to university and got a good job and got married, started renovating a house with my husband and so on and so forth. But as you've just said, you've got a lot of listeners who are working mums and working parents. And as, as, my, as my career really took off, as that velocity, you know, things really increased, I could sense that my ability to manage things was, 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 it was harder for me to manage things, but I was, I kept on keeping on, but we were renovating a house. I had a, I had a big job. I was working as a PR consultant and working lots of big hours, lots of clients, lots of responsibility, a lot of things that I was managing a big team. So, you know, but so the buck stopped with me in terms of the quality of the client work and the, the, the results we were getting for our clients, that buck really stopped with me. So, Hide and I, I was a high, you know, high attention to detail. Um, it, probably people would say that type A personality. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you, you probably know what I mean when I say that. And um, so that meant maybe very good at my job, but it meant that there wasn't a lot left for me at the end of the day or for my husband. And, um, and so pressure mounted. And we got to a point where, you know, the house was renovated. It, it was time to have children. And I just realised that, it was one of those awful waking up at 3am in the, in the morning moments where I just realised, I thought, I just can't do this. I can't take on the responsibility because I was a primary breadwinner. I thought, I can't do this anymore. So I, my husband and I made a decision to separate. It was, it was much more difficult and awful experience than what I, than I've just said in a couple of sentences. And I, you know, anyone who's been through it knows what it's like. Even if it's your decision, it's one of the most dreadful things that you can ever, ever go through. And um, I just, but I, but something in me, you know, and I looking back now, I know that it was, it was, it was the right decision for him and for, for me, but something in me knew that I couldn't go. I couldn't take on, I didn't have the capacity inside me to take on board 
what I knew that next step in our lives would look like with children. Mm. And um, it was really devastating time of my life. And I had to reevaluate everything. And it was quite interesting. So this happened when I turned about 31. And it was really interesting. During my 20s, it, was, it, was, it had been like I'd been knocking on the door of self-development, but I couldn't, no one was answering you know, and I, um, I'd read a few books. I think I got the Celestine Prophecy and I was kind of interested in all of these sorts of books, but I couldn't, it was really strange. I was looking for answers, but nothing, nothing, nothing came across my pathway. It was really odd. And what I realized now was that I had to sort of make that line in the sand, draw that line in the sand for myself, I guess, in a big way and stop everything. So my husband and I separated and then eventually divorced. At that time, I also realised this corporate job that had seemed so attractive for so long, really, I was, I was coming to the end of my tether with that. And I had to really make this decision about what I needed in my life. And, um, and ironically, the minute that I sort of let go of my marriage and started to contemplate this idea of letting go of, of this amazing corporate career that I'd had, the doors started opening. Lots of self-development opportunities came my way. I did this amazing course. It was based here in, in Queensland. And, you know, everything sort of opened up. And I went on this journey of, you know, opening myself up. And at that point, I still hadn't recognised that what I was experiencing was anxiety. I just thought, oh, and people had said to me, oh, you're, you're a sensitive person. And I remember my sister saying, well, you know, you're just sensitive and you've got to deal with that and so on. Mm. That's who I am. Um, but I did find this resonance with self-development. I realised there was much more out there than the things that I've been looking for in my 20s, I started finding. And um, in the course, you know, in the course of that self-development, I did some pretty crazy things. You know, I walked on fire, you know, did all sorts of, you know, ceremonies, shamanic kind of ceremonies where, you know, mud and painting ourselves <laughs> and really getting into you know, that other side of life, which is what I'd been really looking for. And I made a decision at that point to do my life coaching qualification and, and really sort of open up. I thought, this is what I'm, you know, I'm ready to open my life up. And so I did. And um, then I met my current husband and uh, through this, this, these, this, these communities and um, he and I were friends first. And then we, 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 you know, it intensified and we eventually got married. And so and that was just a really beautiful opening to my life. And um, with my husband came two boys. So I, I, um, I was learning how to step parent. And if anyone who's listening is step parent, has step parenting, you'll know that it's not always easy. Um, I'm really happy to say that I've got a great relationship with my stepsons now, but it wasn't always the case. Mm. Um, with, with one of my sons, we sort of clicked immediately. And the other, he and I, we just, we, there were, you know, there were things that we both had to deal with and, um, and, you know, sometimes you click with some people and sometimes you don't. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, and um, so anyway, this also then opened up this question about me having, ch having children and, and, you know, having a child of my own. And my husband who was, you know, not sure about this whole process decided that he wanted to. And so we went into the process and we did IVF, but we weren't successful. And uh, it actually ended in a very disastrous set of circumstances. I, I did the first round of IVF and um, I became very sick. I, I did what's called uh, hyperstimulating. 
hyperstimulated. Basically, it's where they give you the, the, the drugs to stimulate the follicles to grow the eggs. I did that very well. Got a lot of eggs, but um, I almost died in the process. So it was really, it was really, really, really not a great scenario. And um, so I was, it was very, very, very tough time for myself and obviously for my husband and family. And um, but what the upshot of all of that over, over a couple of year period, I think it, it really impacted me psychologically and um, and the physiological process that I've been through. Um, I don't think I probably dealt with that. And what the upshot of all of that was, was that it turned out that I wasn't able to have a child of my own. And um, I was in this very black place where I had to really look at what my life was all about and what was going on and the difficulties. There was, there was a lot of emotional stuff that had gone on around the step parenting and around doing the IVF. And um, <clears throat> I just realised that I just wasn't in a place where I was emotionally coping and I, was, I didn't know what that was. Um, I finally got a fantastic doctor, fantastic psychiatrist, and he, you know, spoke to me, spoke to my husband, and, and he said to my husband, he said, I don't know how she's actually coped because she's got generalised anxiety disorder. And I'm really surprised that she hasn't turned to alcohol or drugs or other things to have coped. And um, I didn't, I'm not into, I, you know, have a, I love a glass of champagne now, but I've never been into drugs or anything like that. And, um, and frankly, I get a really bad headache when I drink. So that was never an option. <laughs> it was, that's right. even, if, even if I could have, it wasn't going to happen. And, um, and so, and so, but this, there was a diagnosis. You, she's got generalised anxiety disorder. And I was like, well, what's that? And is this why I've been like I've been? Do you, do you know what I mean? And so that became, you know, and we're talking here a journey. You know, I'm, I, was, I was in my very, very early 40s at this stage. And, um, and I was in a position where I was like, oh, okay, well, at least I've got an answer now in terms of, why I sometimes feel like I do. And, but I really feel like it was this sleeper experience in my life. And that's why, you know, I call it insidious and invisible because it really was, but it, it shaped my experiences of my life. It meant that I didn't do some things in my early, in my twenties that I would really like to have done. Um, it kept me insular. It kept me small. You know, there were work experiences. There were probably travel experiences that I didn't life experiences that I didn't step into because of, of, of how I'd been, but it wasn't until I was about, I was, I was 41 and this all really came to light and I was, I was really not in a good way. And fortunately I had a fantastic doctor and um, I really, that was when my, it was, you know, they talk, they talk an addiction about how the person who's the addict can't really uh, make a change in their life until they admit that they've got an addiction. Mm. Mm. And I would say with me in terms of my experience with anxiety, I don't think I could really deal with it or start turning around in my life until I understood what it was that I was dealing with. And, you know, I hope I've properly explained how I was feeling, but it was these, I was having, I was, I felt that I emotionally couldn't handle what was going on when I was step parenting. I couldn't seem to find 
what I call the bottom of the pool with, with, with one of the kids. I couldn't seem to co-parent or co-step-parent effectively. And I took a lot of that on board myself and went and thought I'm not good enough. And so a lot of feeling, feelings of self-criticism or self-doubt or overwhelm. These were the things that I was regularly going through, but sort of thought, well, I'm just not good enough at life. You know, clearly other people seem to be able to, doing, be able to do all these things, but I can't. So, but somehow I sort of tried to soldier on and trying to deal with it. Yeah. And then when I got, got this diagnosis, I went, oh, Oh, well, at least there's something here we can start working with. So I did. So that's was sort of the, but that was the turning point. Um, Amazing. So something came up when you were talking about, you know, the, so you, with your first marriage, the way you describe it, you had it all in terms of what society, our societies tell us we should have. Okay. So, yep. <clears throat> the you know that you'd studied you got the partner the husband's the you know the, the the qualifications the really good job therefore I would assume the money that comes with it and yet you know and you were about to embark on the on the you know the stage which is you know then have a family and yet what you describe is that deep down you were not happy That's and it. I think this is very you know, working with young people, this is very symptomatic of what I see in young people, but also what I could see with myself. This sort of like, you know, we taught that we, we need to go on the hamster wheel. Correct. And keep going and keep going. Um, how, how does that fit in with, with your story? Would you agree with that? Oh. That like being on the hamster wheel is, is part of the issue and our societal sort of standards and what we should all achieve? Oh, ab yes, absolutely, Fabian. You, you've hit the, you've honestly hit the nail on the head. I remember specifically having a conversation with my husband and it was where I had a difficult, really difficult time with a client. And, you know, we have clients, good and bad, and this one, things had not gone well. And, um, and I remember saying to him, oh, I want to get off this hamster wheel. I can't be doing this anymore. And it is symptomatic. I think I had really bought into, you know, how things should be, how I should be as the good girl, how I've been brought up to live in a certain way, to aspire to certain things. And you're right, I, you know, I had, had a lovely husband, um, you know, we had, had a great job. Yes, all the trappings that came with it. We bought a house in inner city Brisbane. It was just all, everything by the book. But ironically, the book wasn't working for me. And I think for a lot of people, it's not working for them. You know, that's what I agree with you. I see that in my work as well, that things, you know, things that are meant to be, that, that the way we think, think that sh we're brought up to think things should be, don't actually seem to work in practice that well. Um, and maybe they did, maybe they did 50 years ago, but I think we are in a different era now and, um, and there's a lot more we're being opened up to, but yeah, definitely very symptomatic of that. And um, a lot, as I said, a lot of people that I speak to, a lot of people that I coach say that same thing. Mm, yeah, perfect. And the mm. other thing is, you know, with that, with the, the need to be part of the, you know, hamster wheel, etc. 
you know, and and I'm not sure I, I agree totally with the personality traits. I think for me, mm -hmm. personality is something that evolves and it's not permanent. Um, and you probably described that beautifully when you sort of talking about your journey. But, you know, like describing ourselves as personality type A or, you know, whatever, with that comes also real pressure. And I think, you know, I see it in, in the environment, I think in education, it's quite competitive but the world itself is so competitive I mean you know when I was in France I was listening to all those stories of you know there is a and uh, we're in a downturn in terms of the economy and there's a crisis and you know that will will generate stress and anxiety for people and the competitiveness because then it's this idea that you've got to fight for jobs etc and all of that fosters for me you know, competitiveness, uh, it, it, it breeds fear. Mm. And that fear breeds the, you know, you have to be the best as opposed to being your best. So again, you know, how does that fit in with your story? Oh, it look completely, it does. And I think you're right. And I think we're in this real era at the moment, particularly now with COVID, as you've said, so much fear mongering going around. And one of the tips you've asked me for tips, one of my early tips, and we'll get to more later, turn off the news don't watch you know that is just a hiding to nothing when you're watching all of and constantly taking that in it's just it's not good for our psyches and it's you know the tip i give is tune in once a day to find out what's going on in your community and i do acknowledge things can change they have changed in my community over you know quite quickly um but tuning in once or twice a day is all you need to do this sort of incessant focus on the news or scrolling through social media to see what's going on. I've heard it's called doom scrolling. And I think it's true. You know, I just, it's really not a great thing to do. So yeah, that completely fits in with my experience in terms of buying into the, the way, the way things should be in quotation marks versus probably where my soul's calling was coming from. And, and I really think this is that, um, my beautiful mother used to call it the still quiet voice inside. And it's actually about turning down the outside noise so that we can turn up to listen, to hear what that beautiful still small voice inside has to say, because that to me is where our essence is. That's our connection with our inner self, our source self. And that's where our truth is. So, um, so in terms of, and I hope I'm answering your question correctly, but yeah, in terms yeah, of where yeah, that, yeah. oh, okay, good. Um, in terms of where I, where that jumping off point for me, I, you know, I think I did that in my early thirties and then at 41, bang, I was, you know, I was in a situation where all of my old way of being, the ways that I'd used to cope and manage my life were not working. They were not working. And uh, clearly they weren't working and um, I needed to find a different way. And I guess what I'd say is it doesn't have to come to that dramatic life experience to, to come to this awareness. And I, this is one of the reasons and I'm talk, I talk openly about my experience now. What I, I guess my message is, is that if you're experiencing feelings of overwhelm or self-doubt or constant worry about things, you can do something You've, you can bring that, that, you can manage that and bring that control back into your hands very quickly, very gently and very beautifully without having to have a crash and burn in your life. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I know that experientially as humans, we learn through those experiences, but you don't necessarily have to have to have that crash and burn. It is by listening to the still small voice and, and starting to tune into what's going on and, and how you're feeling about things. Yeah. I think sometimes you have to, it's almost like if you want listen, then you have to have that dark night of the soul where you have to, because to, to some extent, we don't always listen to the, like you were saying, the, the feedback from the outside, because we are on the hamster wheel, we, we don't always take stock and notice what's going on. And it's mm. only when you almost like hit the brick wall or you know something happens that you have to stop and and take stock um mm -hmm. beautiful thank you so much for sharing so openly your your story um, i'm sure that'll be really useful to to people you know to, to our listeners so what happened then you know you you had an amazing doctor he you know, gave you a diagnosis and sometimes with diagnosis it's great because you then you know you can label you give a label to what it is but the, the downside of giving a label is that you can then get trapped into that label right that's because, very you know general anxiety disorder disorder is that something you're stuck with forever that you can't get out of that you'll have to live with you know can you talk us through that? Absolutely. And again, such a, an insightful comment, Fabian. Yes, it's a label and I got rid of it as soon as I could. Um, I chose to because I agree with you, labels are very dangerous and you can suddenly sit inside um, the, 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 you sit inside the label and that's all you are. And if you then, if you only, you can only identify as that and then you, you can train others around you to then identify with you as that. And then, what happens is, is that you get caught in this box. You capture yourself in a box, but then others around you then actually can be, they'll catch you in that, they'll keep you in that box as well. And suddenly your world is limited again. And um, for me, the whole journey was, it was about, there was a relief to understand that I, that there was, that I wasn't this real, because I, I think, I think for a few years, Fabian, I I think I thought that I was just this, I was very ashamed of my emotional responses to things. It was actually a very deep shame that I held and I didn't want people to see it and see who I was. So that led to a little, quite a bit of inauthenticity. But it also, when you're ashamed of yourself, you don't actually then, you're very much caught inside this, this thing. So for me, it was very valuable to have had that diagnosis, at least to say, okay, I'm not stark raving mad. There is something here that I can actually start working with. Mm. But in that next breath, I knew enough and I'd done enough self-development work to know labels are extremely dangerous. And I thank you for picking me up on the whole type A thing. You're right. It's, it's very dangerous to let, that's a label as well. And we'd need to drop all labels and you know, mm. not yeah. put ourselves yeah. in boxes. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. So you know, I no, like but for me, being a linguist, you know, oh. the minute you put the "I am," you know, the adjective you put next to that, you become, and yep. so it's really important to choose very carefully what adjective, how we want to define ourselves, mm. um, because you know, I see it with you know, particularly 
in, in my first book that's something that I mentioned because I notice it with my students you know they say I am an A star pupil and then suddenly they arrive at university and they may struggle with their marks mm. and that's normal because they're entering a new world that requires them to you know think differently and approach learning differently and so if you're you're you associate I am an A star pupil with your grades suddenly your grades slip and you you know you have less you know it's not A star it might be 60s which is you know a two one in the UK is, is a good mark very very good mark suddenly they just think well what am I because it mm-hmm. means I'm not clever and mm-hmm. so the linguist in me <laughs> likes to sort of look at the language and and i find that sort of really interesting what you were oh, saying thank you yes no absolutely and look i am complete support of the linguist in you because I, I agree language is so powerful and the that the use of language is very central to my work that i do with people so I, i'm complete aligned with you on that it was and it was great that you raised that about type a because we shouldn't label, label ourselves so that was my experience in terms of, okay, so I've got this label, what happened next? Um, so there was probably a period of sort of coming to terms with that. But then I, then I realised very quickly that the, how dangerous the label was. So it was like I had this little moment of, okay, at least I know what I'm dealing with now, but let's not get caught in this. And I would say to you that switch happened within a month or two. It wasn't it was not something that I continued on with, you know, thanks in part to my husband as well. He was really clear that this is not something that needs to define you. And, but I, I got, I became very clear about that because I did understand I'd done enough self-development work to know that this, this label could become a very big pothole and I could dig myself into a big pit of victimhood. And I was very clear that that was not something that I wanted to do. I, I, under, I understood the difference between, a, at that point, I understood the difference between, between being a victim and a creator of my life. Um, I understood that, that there were things that I could do. You know, I'd, I'd had various bits and pieces of counselling over the years and somehow all of that sort of, it was almost like the things almost sort of came together and I, I got some very deep awarenesses and understandings very quickly. And I'd say to you, a turning point was when after that diagnosis and I'd sort of made the decision to, to drop the label, but I was still having experiences and, um, and I wasn't someone who had deep and, and I didn't have deep panic attacks as I've heard some people describe, but I would have these, these moments where I did feel like I was probably was a minor panic attack when I think about it, but I have where I, I'd feel you know, crippled inside and I would feel like I was suffocating. I literally was, was feeling that, you know, I was going to suffocate. So I, um, and, but I remember very clearly at the, also at the same time asking for guidance and cause I do have a belief in a, in a higher consciousness, a higher power. And I remember saying, you know, show me a way through this. I, I was very clear that everything that had led up to now was, a lesson for me but I mm-hmm. really wanted some guidance about how to move forward and to do it relatively quickly I didn't want to jump into that pit and you know lose another 10 years of my life because I do realize I did feel that I'd lost you know some some time in my life as a result of this 
So, you know, different teachers came and went and so on and so forth. But I remember I had, there was a really seminal moment. It was a Saturday afternoon. Um, I was having this, this experience of, of real anxiety over, over something. And, and I remember sitting on the side of my bed and thinking, I have to actually, I have to approach this. I need to approach this in a different way. And I've been given a tip to breathe into the feeling of anxiety in my, in my tummy. So, and I really took this serious. I thought I'm going to try this. I'm going to do it this seriously. So I, I just purposefully, and it's paradoxical. Why would you want to breathe into the feeling that's making you feel so bad? But I read a clinic, a registered psychologist had told me this. So I thought I'm, I'm going to give it a go. So I did. And it, it really worked. You know, I, I did that, but it was that coupled with this phrase that was in, that it, just passed through my mind, which was this too shall pass. And that was a very seminal moment. So I, I, I was able to physically, and I know what I know now about neuroscience and the brain and how it's very much a physiological response. I realized that I was actually calming my system enough to allow the executive functioning to function to occur. But it was a coupling of that breathing in and then understanding this too shall pass. I realized for the first time that this feeling wasn't going to kill me because honestly, I felt at times it was, it was so overwhelming. I was, you know, I was going to suffocate and die. And that was a real turning point. And I went, I sort of came out of it and I was like, I almost shook my head and I was like, that worked. you know. <laughs> and that was a real eureka moment for me to actually understand that this thing that I had felt victim to for a very long time, Suddenly I could do, I had some agency over it and I could do something about it. And then it was sort of really then step, steps, step upon step from there. And I then, I had a, a great teacher who came along and who taught me about this notion of energy and vibration. It was very quantum physics based and it was very much that we are energy and vibration and that we can choose our perspective. We can choose our emotion in, a, in, in any given situation. And I started practicing this. And I, after that moment, that Saturday afternoon moment where I had, had a bit of a breakthrough, I had my eureka moment. I thought, oh, this truth in what she's saying. So I started really working with this in a big way. And it was like a positive snowball going down the hill. I started working with it and I started realizing that, you know, this too shall pass, you know, negative thoughts, but positive things. If I, I could actually start being much more intentional about my day and much more intentional about my emotions. And I started realizing that I could create a new reality in my old reality. Because also what was very important for me at this time is I didn't want to burn down my life. I'd already burnt my life down once with my first marriage, my first that divorce. I was really clear I didn't want to do that again. But we came, you know, things, things were tough. Things were tough. And, but I was really clear that if I could, I really wanted to, I wanted to keep my, my reality intact. And um, so I did. And, but I think what I want to say here, very importantly, is that sometimes, um, I think sometimes people hear people's stories and they, they hear the story of, well, you know, I dropped everything and I moved to Kathmandu or, or whatever. That's not a really a viable option for, for many people. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, and if there's a love there in your relationship and if there is a commitment and if there is a connection, you know, that's something to be really savoured and valued and looked at and, and really to be, you know, you look at how you, you look at how you want to preserve that. Mm. And I think sometimes in life, it's easy to, it's, and I was talking about this this morning with a client, sometimes in, in life, it's easier to um, throw the blame onto the other person or you know, he doesn't get me or he doesn't understand me. It's never going to work. We've got all this terrible history together. It's never going to work. I just need to leave and get a, a fresh start. And when I get a fresh start, everything's going to be better. But what we know about frequency and vibration is that you take your vibration with you wherever you go. (laughs) So when I went to to France, just to illustrate that point, I really struggled this year to switch off. So because of COVID and everything else, we've had to do so much. That was really on the hamster wheel. And when I arrived, you know, on, on like day five or day six, I just still, my mind was still buzzing and I was finding it really hard. And so I had a conversation, which is on the podcast with my mindfulness teacher. And Adam said to to me, and I loved it. That was like, oh, okay, yes. Fabian, you've only changed the wallpaper. That's all he said. said, You've gone to France. You've changed the wallpaper. Wherever you, you know, I, I think it's Lao Tzu who said, wherever you go there you are yeah it's that notion mm. that we take ourselves wherever we go so running mm. away is almost like not an option because like you say we are energy and vibration we take ourselves and our vibration wherever we go we absolutely do i love that comment we, you're going to change the wallpaper and it's so true so i guess that's a, a that's something that i really it's something you know because i think sometimes the the compulsion the urge to change the condition is to, well, I'll leave the marriage, I'll leave the job, I'll sell the house, all these very dramatic things. And yes, and I've, I've done that clearly in Mark 1, I did all of that. But the bottom line was, was that I hadn't really gone deep enough to understand what was going on. And, and, and so I guess, and maybe people listening, you might, you might have a bit of a sigh of relief. I, you know, I'm not saying it would have burned your life down to, to, to deal with your anxiety. And my biggest gift from all of this has been my ability to create a completely new reality in my old reality. I am still living in the same house, but my relationships are stratospherically better Mm. everywhere, you know, with my husband, with my stepchildren, everywhere. I am a better person and I have this fantastic life now. And it's, but I've done it all inside my old reality and I've done it, you know, and I've done it because I really took full responsibility for what I was creating in my world. And I took full ownership of that. And I said, okay, I own all of it. And I remember, and this has been a progressive journey, obviously Mm -hmm. it didn't happen just like that, but over a couple of years, I've just gone, right. I'm, I fully created this. How can I create something brand new? And, um, and it's come down to, you know, this real understanding that I am energy and vibration, I'm frequency and vibration. So, and what, and what, what, what quantum physics tells us very simply is that the observer affects the observed. 
So, you know, what I focus on is what I get. We go into a dark room with a torch, whatever we focus that torch on, you know, be it the armchair or the, the bookshelf, that's what we're going to get in our reality. And um, so it was very much about understanding that what I focused on was what I got. So it was about bringing my vib energy and my, my, my vibration up, getting intentional about how I wanted my life to be and really fully, fully, and that was the next step, really fully owning where I was being a victim in different parts of my life. And, and you know what, Jen, listening to what you're saying, talking about being a victim and being a creator, I completely get it. And I just wonder where, you know, for me, it's about the journey, right? So if, and, and to go, if I wanted to go and visit you in Australia to start my, you know, being able to go and see you, I would have to start where I am. So acknowledging that currently I'm in Bristol as opposed to in, you know, in Australia. Mm. So, you know, Brisbane or wherever, you know, in Australia. So for our listeners, if, they you know that concept of being a victim and being a creator because this is quite a challenging concept right mm. um mm. depending on where they are that some of that may jar or not so what advice would you have for for them because it's not easy to say i created all of this it takes a lot of courage to admit that you know if there's particularly if you have really challenging situations, you know, I'm, I, I've been practicing a lot more of the Buddhism training with my teacher currently. And so, you know, they talk about karma and all of those things and all of those concepts, you know, sort of similar to the victimhood and, and uh, being the creator. And they, they are challenging intellectually, mm. you know, etc. until you get your head, you wrap your head around it. Um, can you, can you share a few tips on, on that, you know, depending on where our listeners are, mm. what they can do to, to get their heads around that concept? Yeah, no, absolutely, Fabian. And it's a really great question. And it's this, it, I guess for me, I'll talk to you about how I got to the, how I got to that. And it was really like, it was sort of this very dark time. And, but I, when I looked at, or everything that had led up to this time in my life, I realised that ultimately I, I was one who'd made various decisions along the way and um, that it was those steps that I'd taken that had, had led, to me, led me to where I was. And I think, and I guess, well, how did I get to that? You might say, well, that's still too hard to understand. How do I get to that? Because I realised... I guess I was, it's about this deep honesty and accountability. It's about really taking responsibility for yourself. And I'll tell you a funny story. When I was 18, I remember I'd gone out for a drink with my, my best friend, um, Mel, and she and I are still best friends now. And we'd gone out for, to a drink. And I remember saying, you know, so sagely at 18, but I guess the words came out of my mouth. But I remember her, remember I, her and I having a conversation and, and, I said, um, you know, it's really important to take res full responsibility for your actions in your life. And at 18, you know, there's out of the mouths of babes, right? You know, I said that, but I do clearly remember saying that to her. And then, you know, many years later, I, am, I, I, got, the, I got the impact of that. So it's about, I guess, the concept of 
if you don't want to frame it as victim versus creator, maybe frame it as do you take responsibility for what happens in your life? And are you, are, are you okay to take full responsibility or do you want to assign blame to other people or to, and I know you do want to assign blame to other people. And look, this is a decision to, we're talking about a belief set here. And what I've learned about beliefs is you either decide to subscribe to a belief or you don't. Mm. And what I've realized about this belief set around victim versus creator is that the belief set of being a victim was not serving me. It was keeping me in that pit of anxiety. It was keeping me in judgment of myself and others. It was keeping me stuck. And then, and the thing is when you're in the pit of victimhood, there's, there's, you know, it's very hard to get out. And what I realized was that, so I guess what I realized was that there was a lot of value in me. I just needed to drop that belief set because we're no longer serving. I was looking at the, the collateral damage of my life. I was looking back and I was saying, do I want more of this? And I, the answer was no, I don't want any more of this. So it was one of those defining moments. I was like, I'm, I'm doing this differently. How do I do it differently? I own that I've owned, I've done all of that. And I then, I, and I guess this is the other thing. I know that if I have, if I can say that I've created what's happened in the first 40 years, if I can say then, what could I then create in the next 40? Like flip that. So instead of, you know, instead of thinking it's terrible that I've done all of this and going back into the, being a victim about being the victim, it's like saying, well, actually, here's a whole brand new canvas I could paint on. If I choose to do things in a different way. Does that, is that? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Because, you know, for me, that, that makes complete sense. And, you know, it's not about using the, that, you know, I created this to beat yourself up. Mm -mm. For me, it suddenly occurred to me that I had created this notion, you know, for me, like, you know, it's not so much anxiety, but it's very much, a, you know, I have no right to be here literally is what my issue has been throughout so therefore if I have no right to be here and I'm an imposter someone is going to find out that I have no right to be here mm. and when I realized that that was what was playing in the background you know initially I sort of wallowed into it and that self-pity and you know it's not fair and I think to some extent, our society does not teach us from childhood to look at life from I'm a creator. So, you know, we, we teach our children to assign blame to conditions, external conditions. Um, you know, something breaks in the house. The first reaction is who's done this? Yeah. You know, who's responsible for this? And hmm. the problem with that is you automatically create that sort of, you know, the, okay, I'm feeling this emotion. It's because of what's happened and I have to change the conditions or get the person to behave differently. So I don't feel this way. And, exactly. and once you understand that, you know, it takes a, a while to understand because it's a complete, like you were saying, a complete shift in terms of mindset so i think wherever our listeners are it's starting with please don't use it to beat yourself up 
you know mm. and if initially you feel angry feel that emotion so when you discover that emotion of victimhood and and because i think we all go through that you know mm. they, there's mixed emotion and it's about always feeling the emotions before we can move on to the next step i agree i agree it's about acknowledging the emotions but then not, as you've used a great word, wallowing in them, moving on to the next step. Acknowledge your humanness, your human body, yes. but then understand you have, and when I talk about tapping into your innate power, I'm talking about tapping into your connection with your higher self, your inner self. But, you know, my belief set is, and I believe you share it, is that we're all part of a greater consciousness and we've mm. got this incredible wellspring of support available to us. Yeah. Um, and, and if, if we so choose to, if we choose to tap into it. Yeah. So, yeah. So exactly what you're saying, yeah, no beating up, um, and understanding that it's, it is, this is a journey. This is not about like, I would tell you right now, I still have, I still have moments where I have anxiety, but it's how I approach them, how I manage them and how I come out of them. That's vastly different. It's my whole, and it's, and the fact that I, when I'm in that space now, through the practices that I've got, you know, I'm very heavily into meditation and journaling and so on. Through those practices, I have the dialogue with myself now. I know that it's if I'm going to to ride this out, this feeling, I need to come home and into my heart and into myself, rather than trying to find an answer outside of myself. You know, through a friend like you or my a partner or a whatever, or through shopping, you know, whatever, this is where society, we sort of, we look outside to try and help ourselves feel better. This is where addictions come in, this is where shopping comes in, where food, you know, all sorts of things. I, I, I have a client who over-exercises and that's where he goes because, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so there's all these places we can go external rather than coming into ourselves and having this dialogue. And that was one of the other big things in my journey was learning how to have this dialogue with myself and just asking, how are you going? What's going on? And, and getting some, getting some proper feedback to understand, you know, what the fear is about. Well, we can do something about that. So I'm talking there about inner child work. I'm sure you've done that. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's, it's about really understanding that it's not the beating up. The beating up is more negative wasted energy. Um, we've probably had the beating up model to us by someone in our lives, but it doesn't get us anywhere. It's just starting to, to do what I talk about a lot is that's the old story. What's my new story? So I talk a lot about creating a new story for your life. What's the new story, the new narrative that I can take forward in my life that's supportive of me and helps me be this creator of my life and helps me build the relationships that I want to build helps me to navigate my business and my work in a different way that helps me to interact with my children in a different way and interact with my family in a different way. And when you come into that space, it's just, it's like the light, light bulb has been turned on. It's such a beautiful place to be. Amazing. It is. It's, I was, I was reading, um, a book by Dr. Benjamin Hardy recently called uh, Personally, Personality is Impermanent. Um, and it's all about what he, he, what he suggests is sort of talking about, thinking about what does your future self look mm -hmm. like? What do they want? You know, and, 
and we you know we are completely different individuals than we were you know two years ago five years ago you know even mm -hmm. physically i mean think about childhood and you know as a teenager and then becoming an adult a woman and so therefore you know our future self as we as we age and etc we will become you know different individuals so rather than you know taking the past and building from the past and the current moment you, you know he suggests you building the future like you're saying changing the story mm -hmm. um, do you have any specific tips so we've talked about you know we've we've so far mm -hmm. we've talked about your experience with anxiety in general anxiety disorder you know letting go of the label moving from being victim to being a creator and to the current gen um you know what what tips do you have for our listeners and to okay this is where i am mm. and the other thing i'm really you know i i'm very conscious of and again you know i'm i'm, I'm sure you'll agree with that but it's this notion that for me there's no one size fits all mm. and that it's very much about each individual so we are all the unique hero on our journey and it's about our personal journey so mm none of us have a, a similar experience or you know we, we bring with us our values beliefs past experiences and those make us who we are as individuals but there are tips that we can give you know that we can put in our tool you know tools that we can put in our toolbox so that like just like a plumber you may not use all of your tools in your toolbox but you have there are tools that will be useful for us oh. as individuals so what tools do you have in your toolbox? Jen, My toolbox. I love the analogy of the plumber's toolbox. And yes, I've got one, I've got a fairly big toolbox now that, that I am so, feel so grateful to have. And look, there's a range of things that, that I, you know, a range of things that I, I recommend and, and suggest and work with my clients on. But one of them is, well, I guess the first thing is, is just understanding this whole thing that, that you have some agency over how your day is going to pan out, that you can manage your emotions. But what happens for us is that our emotions are quite habitual. You know, we're habituated in terms of how we, you know, get out of bed, what we do in the mornings, uh, how we live out, you know, the whole day, a lot of the time we are just working on autopilot. So the first step I would say is to just assess how you're starting your day. And if the first thing that you do in your day is reach for your mobile phone to check your emails or look at social media, put that away and just give yourself even five minutes. I'm a big advocate, as I know you are, Fabian, of meditation. So even starting a little five-minute routine of mindfulness or meditation where the phone's not the first thing you go for, the first thing you go for is just even, and even if meditation feels a bit scary for you, just to, you know, put your hand on your tummy while you're lying in bed and your hand on your heart and just breathing in from your breathing down into your tummy and then breathing up to your heart and acknowledge and have gratitude for this incredible vehicle that we have, this beautiful human body that we have. You know, I love to call it the body is a temple to me. And um, just really just acknowledging the beauty that you are and that's, that's something you can do on a daily basis. And 
it's something that again we're not taught i know fabian through the work that you're doing you are teaching and you're you're enabling this for a lot of parents and a lot of families and how lucky are we to have you doing the work that you're doing in the world like so beautiful um but this is something that we can at any age take on board which is this just this acknowledgement of who we are in the morning you know lying in bed taking a few breaths in just feeling that beauty of who you are and that as you're breathing in, just touching and connecting with, you know, who you are and within yourself, your cells, all this beautiful energy that's running through your body. This is a very special thing that we've been given just to be here at this time, particularly at this time. This is a very special era in humanity's chapters of its life. And uh, so just acknowledging that. And so that's one, one tip. And then if you can expand out to some, mindfulness or some med meditation practice I, when i'm working with with people i just say just five minutes a day is a beautiful starting point and i've got a meditation i can share later if, if you like at the end um, lovely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. and that this the meditation i'm going to share is about finding calm when you are feeling fearful and um but it is the, the, the purpose of meditation um and i know i've spoken about it perhaps quite a bit with your other teacher so i won't go into it too much but Meditation become, can become a very blissful exercise when we drop all expectations of it. I remember when I, many years ago, and I thought, right, meditation is the tool that I can use and so on and so forth. And people were teaching me that. All I seemed to hear was, well, meditation is about clearing the thoughts out of your mind. And I'm like, well, that could take me years and maybe I'll never get there. You know? <laughs> and now, fortunately, on my journey, you know, and I know, Fabian, you've learned this as well, is that, it's not about clearing the, tool, the, the thoughts out of your mind. It's about having this loving point of focus. For me, it's effectively about having this loving point of focus somewhere. Maybe it's inside my body. Maybe it's on my breath. Maybe it's on a mantra. And then it's then allowing my, myself, my, my human self to connect with my source self and to receive some inspiration and to receive some beautiful thoughts and some beautiful ideas. So that to me is where meditation like that's where it's at and um but if it scares you and i know it scares a lot of people just five minutes a day i'll provide a meditation at the end to help calm down but just that five minutes a day just start there is just a beautiful beautiful place to to start but deeper into this and and i'm, I'm mindful of our time so but i what is linked when i talk about having a hand on your heart and your hand on your tummy and just acknowledging the beauty of who you are. This is a very big step forward in life is to actually acknowledge the beauty of who you are. And what I'm talking about here is self-worth. And you mentioned earlier, Fabian, your, your journey has been around uh, feeling good enough to be here. And I would say to you, mine, that was what was underlying my anxiety as well and feeling imperfect. Mm -hmm. And this is a big topic, and but if I can just plant a seed here that whoever's listening right now, you are perfect and you are worthy and you are beautiful. And it's this perfection of who we are when we start living from this place of really accepting that, then everything changes. It's a, it's a true game changer. Yeah. And... Yeah. Back to your comment earlier, Fabian, about linguistics. I am playing with that word perfect when I talk about it because I think perfect 
brings up a lot of things for people. But what I would love to say there is acknowledging the beauty of who you are in your authenticity, your authentic beauty of who you are. Yes. And for me, that word perfect also, when I first sort of started playing around that, really brought up a lot of of things up because of you know how I was brought up you know so obviously for me it was being brought up as a Catholic there's no way you can say you're perfect Um, you know our listeners will have their own uh, understanding of the word perfect because that's the thing with words is words we bring with words our own understanding and visual images in and link to the word but for me it's this the the word perfect works if I imagine you know when I was like just the magic the sheer magic of how a child is conceived and how you don't have to do anything it literally just happens and it grows from this tiny little thing that looks like a little prawn (laughs) to this beautifully (laughs) perfect baby when they're born and that's that's how I connect to that idea of perfection, that notion that prior to being socialized and being edu- educated in our societies, I was this pure, innocent baby that didn't know any difference. And that really works for me, and I hope maybe it'll help our listeners, is that you know, this is what I imagine in terms of perfection. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I, I read... I can't remember where it was, but this idea that as we, you know, it's it's like the golden Buddha. So it's this notion that who we are, you know, you probably know the story of the golden Buddha in Thailand, where, you know, the the monks protected it with loads of mud from, because they heard that they were like the thieves were coming and that they would be killed. So they caked it all up with mud to protect it. And they only found out that underneath all that mud was, was the gold, golden Buddha, when they tried to move it. Mm. And to me, that beautiful, you know, I love metaphors. And this works really for me. This notion that as we go along, as we grow up with our circumstances and our situations, we just cake ourselves up ourselves up with mud because we want to protect ourselves and we don't want, you know, this to, to for others to see the hurt and everything else and it's it's just remembering that who we are is this golden buddha and that we don't have to cake ourselves up with anything which is we can be like you were saying be our authentic selves mm. oh fabian that's such a beautiful such a beautiful story you're exactly and it's a perfect way to, to explain it we are that golden buddha underneath the mud and it's just and that's what this process is, is about really coming back to remembering that. Because if I, if I was to say, you know, what was the final step? What was the final step in, if I was to say to you, you know, what is the final step in all of this? It was about truly stepping into that, that full belief set. Again, it's a belief set. You can choose to feel worthy or not. It's a decision. It's a belief set you decide to take on. And um, a lot of people have asked me, well, how do you develop worthiness? Well, that's the first step is just deciding and then creating this new story that I was talking about earlier. But you're exactly right. It's just, let's go back to who we are as a golden Buddha and then 
live from that place. And that's, that's, and living from that place, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you worry about, it, it means that you are authentically yourself, that what you say or don't say is absolutely fine. And what you bring to the table is perfect in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and this, and, and look, this is a lifelong journey. We're, you know, I'm still working with this myself, but it is, as you know, I've started my own podcast this year. And for me, that was a big step forward into authenticity to talk about these subjects that we're talking about today, to, um, to have a go at doing something, knowing that it was going to be a live, you know, a live interview. There was no editing to be done. You know, it, it, was, it was going to be authentically what I wanted it to be. And the experience has been amazing. I, I now call my podcast, I lovingly call it, but it's more than that. It's my island of authenticity. It shows me how I, how authentic I can be and how that's great. It's accepted. And all the feedback I've had, you know, it's all the feedback. Well, the feedback that I've had has been how much people love it. And that's to me demonstrated the power of being authentic in my life. Um, I don't, I'm not just authentic on my podcast. I, I, I aim to be as authentic as I can in every experience that I have during my day, but that's a real, you know, when we talk about freedom, um, that is something that's really, I've set myself free by being authentic. And do I get it right every time? No. Do things go wrong? Yes. But how do I react to those things going wrong? I accept them. I allow them. And then I just keep on going rather than getting back into that pit of victimhood or fear or anxiety or whatever. I just keep on going. How powerful is that, Jen? And I mm. so agree with you. It, for me, it's, it's, you know, I'm nowhere near that. I'm not there yet. As in, you know, life is a journey. It's an ongoing journey. And, you know, for all of the time that I'll be alive as Fabienne, you know, I know that there, there, that circumstances will happen and things will yeah. happen and that there's room for me to grow and expand and you know become my future self etc so you we never finished product we you know we never arrive um but isn't it powerful and isn't it motivating to be in life knowing that you, you never arrive and that you can grow and expand and that we have a say in how we grow and expand Yes, absolutely. And yet, you, you, yes, absolutely. We have a say in how we grow and expand. And I'm not sure about you, but for me, the view from here is much more exciting um, because I have, you know, I've chosen to take on these belief sets and to, to live and work in this way, you know, to be this way in the world rather than the way I was before. And, you know, I'm the one who's, I'm the one who's made that change in my life. No one else has. It's, it's been me. I've, I've had teachers and mentors along the way. And I still will have teachers and mentors along the way. There's no doubt about that. But the view from the hill here right now is so much more exciting. And it's it's exciting because I'm not sure what will happen next, but I'm sure there's lots of, I know now there's lots of great things ahead. Whereas I, I couldn't have said that to you 10 years ago. I could have said it to you in a certain, like a, a very, with a lot of conditions on it. And I would have said it to you through the veil of, 
well, you know, I'm living in a Western country and I've got a nice home and so on and so forth and I get to travel and so on. I would have said it to you, but it would have been a very limited way. I'm, I'm more truly now living through my heart and understanding that and, and in my authenticity and not beating myself up so much if, I, if I, things don't go so well, you know. And it shows knowing you, I know that that is true and it shows in everything you do. So uh, thank you so much, Jen. You know what? Um, at the end of the podcast, I always ask um, the, the, the person you know, sharing with me, what's the one thing that if you had, if, if the listeners only took one thing from our conversation, what is that one thing that you would want them to take away? It would be for you to understand that you can, by, by tuning into your emotional frequency and your vibration, you can change the caliber of your moment, of your morning, of your day and of your life. It's just that, that for me was the big tipping point when I really understood that I was the one, didn't matter what was going on outside, I could choose my perspective on that and I could choose my emotional, you know, my frequency. So this is all about coming back to choice. My belief is when we talk about free will, this is what free will is. It's my ability to choose my perspective and my emotion in any given moment. So that means if I'm having a great moment, fantastic, you know, lots of great things going on. But if I'm having a difficult moment or I've received some difficult news, I can still choose how I will respond to that and I can respond in a way that's more peaceful and calm and I think COVID-19 is one where I've really refined this and I've been up and down you know over the time but I've really refined this by saying okay I'm choosing a perspective of peace and calm and allowing right now rather than fear and it is it has changed my experience of this whole time yes I've got family members who are in severe I've got families who are, I've got my father's in a severe risk category. If it enters his aged care facility, it's very likely he would not make it. He, and he said, he said, I know I'm a target. I know that's it. So I'm not being a Pollyanna here. This is affecting my life. He's in lockdown at the moment as a result of COVID-19. So this does affect my life. I'm not sitting on the sidelines and, but it's this, let me get back to the point. It's about choosing our perspective and our emotion in any given moment. And we can do it. And when we realise we can do it, life changes. Absolutely. And so beautiful. That is so true. I always say to my boys, you can choose love or fear. Which one will you choose today? And that is it. Thank you so much, Jen. Um, as always, a pleasure to talk with you. And I could talk to you for hours and hours. I'm very grateful for your time, for you, you know, sharing your, your story so openly. Um, thank you so much. I'll put, you know, all of your details so our listeners can find you and reach out to you. Um, and if you send me the link to the, to the, to the, um, the meditation, meditation. then yeah. I'll also add it to, to the, the podcast so people can go and listen to it. But I, Thank you so much. Have a lovely evening um, and I'll speak to you very soon. 
Well, that's, and thank you, Fabian, for having me. And um, I really do appreciate it. And lots of love to all of your listeners and to you. I'm like, we, I could speak to you for hours, but to you specifically for the work that you're doing with your flourishing student model, it is just superb. It's, you're going to revolutionize things for us at that level. And I'm so excited about it. So thank you for all the work you do in the world. And um, I'll look forward to speaking with you very soon. Yes, thank you so much, Jen. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. And we hope to see you soon. In the meantime, Take care and we hope that you are flourishing.